Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi, friend. Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast today. I'm so glad that you are here with me, and I have a short announcement. I'm so excited that we are gearing up for our three-day workshop series that is coming up in September, and it's called Escaping Entitlement, Raise Responsible, Respectful, and Kind Kids in an Entitled Generation. And I couldn't believe it when I put it out on our business page. This is the request that so many moms were asking for. How do I break free of entitled, raising entitled teens? And so that's what we're gonna be talking about. We're gonna have a ton of fun with it. I'm gonna have conversation scripts and we're gonna have a workbook and it's gonna be just a great time to connect with all of you and for you to connect with the other moms that are there. And so it's September 27th, 28th, and 29th at 12 p.m. Central Time. And there's a time of Q&A afterwards. It's one hour, and then it's usually about 20 minutes of question and answer. And you can sign up today at momsoftweensandteens.com slash entitled. And I'll be telling you more in future podcast episodes And uh, I can't wait. I just can't wait to connect with you. So enough about that. Let's move into our podcast today. And as we know, our kids' mental health is suffering. And it's crucial that we know how to best support our kids with their mental health. And Lauren Chikara of Active Minds, she joins me today for such an important conversation about how to support our teens in the area of mental health. Active Minds is the nation's premier nonprofit organization supporting mental health awareness and education for our teens and young adults, and they are doing some amazing things that she shares with us. Lauren shares how to talk to our teens about their problems using the validate, appreciate, and refer method, loved it, and how to ask the right questions. What can we say to our kids to be supportive? And then how to be better listeners and also tips for teens transitioning to college and what to look for in terms of mental health support 
So if it's needed, your teen knows where to go. And we talk about so much more. So let's dive in. Lauren, welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Thanks, Cheryl, for having me today. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for you to be here too. And we were talking even before we jumped on here, um, just how needed having this conversation is with you. And we're going to be talking all about mental health and uh, your role that that you play in mental health and active minds and how to help middle school, high school, and kids that are transitioning to college. So I just want to dive in and first uh, hear a little bit more about you and how you got uh, how you became, I want to say, passionate around mental health. Yeah, so I've always worked um, with students um, at either a university level or in the K through 12 level. And so um, I worked in the higher education for a little bit, working with uh, students and families, navigating where they wanted to go to school, picking a major, staying in college, and then successfully you know, graduating from college. Um, and then sort of took a, a left turn into school health and wellness by um, working to teach sexual health education. I did a lot of bully prevention work and then worked across the state of Colorado, helping to facilitate Colorado's version of the youth risk behavior survey. It's called the Healthy Kids Colorado Survey. Um, and so the more I worked with schools and community partners in really utilizing the health and wellness student level data, the more mental health kept coming up. Um, We could see a slow uptick in the mental health um, statistics of what we were seeing high school students and middle school students navigating on a day-to-day basis. And there was just a need, a lack of resources, a lack of understanding, and a need to kind of figure out what can we do to support youth mental health. And so, um, you know, Finding Active Minds was just a really wonderful piece of that puzzle for me um, because Active Minds has been around for um, 19 years. We were started when our founder, Allison, lost her brother to suicide when they were both university students. And what she realized in that experience was that her brother, Brian, nor her really had the resources to talk about mental health, to understand the complexities of mental health and get the resources and support needed to navigate mental health or mental illness. And so that's why she started Active Minds. And it was really at a university space um, to really change the conversation and culture about mental health. Um, And so for 19 years, we've been working in the higher ed space. And over the last few years, we've been working in the high school space, and we're about to embark in working in the middle school space, really empowering youth to have this conversation about mental health. Oh, I love that you're going to start with uh, middle school kids, too, to start even younger. Yeah, it's definitely needed because they're experiencing a lot of mental health things, you know, um, we all have mental health. Um, And so I think that's something that we have to realize that mental health didn't just happen overnight. We all have it. We have good days and we have bad days and, and that's okay. And so um, really ensuring that our uh, middle school students and our high school students have the language and to understand what that is so that they can articulate, yeah, I, 
I'm not having a great day. I, I'm feeling really low. I need more support. Um, that's really empowering for them. So that's why we are excited about the resources that we have for Act, at Active Minds, um, because we just want people to um, have everyday conversations about mental health because we all have mental health. Wow. Have you found that it just, I mean, this is, I know the answer and I'm sure everybody listening knows the answer, but I don't think we can say it enough is when we don't feel alone is, is being able to have the conversation versus not talking about it. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, it takes a lot sometimes for some people to to be brave, to tell someone, hey, I need help. I need to tell somebody what I'm going through or what I'm feeling. And so you, we really are thinking about this from a community sense. You know, how do we equip our, our youth to have everyday conversations with each other so that they are paying attention to their peers? Our parents and caregivers are having everyday conversations about mental health with their young people or their family members so that they can start paying attention to some of the warning signs when somebody may be navigating a mental illness or a mental cri- mental health crisis. You know, so we have something called Validate, Appreciate, Refer. It's one of the tools that you can use in any setting, right? And so if somebody is coming to you and saying, hey, I'm just, I'm not having a great day, you validate that, yeah, you're not having a great day. I, I get it. You know, appreciate that they're coming to you and then refer them. If, if there's more to them not having a good day, that they need more support than just having a conversation with you, then you need to know where to go. It can be as simple as I need to go tell my mom that you just disclosed something to me, or um, I need to go tell a school counselor that you may harm yourself because we're at school right now. So it's a very simple techniques to have these everyday conversations to then think about, oh, I'm seeing a repeated behavior. Somebody really is struggling. It's just more than a bad day. They need the support. And then how can I, how can I be that support mechanism and referring them on to get the real um, uh, needs taken care of? So it's validate and refer and validate, then, appreciate, refer. Oh, okay. Validate, appreciate, refer. I actually had seen that. So appreciate, what does appreciate look like? Yeah. So that's really thanking them for coming to them, right? So, hey, Cheryl, thank you so much for telling me that you are having a bad day or that you are not feeling really, you know, full of hope at the moment. Um, you know, what would you like me um, to do? Like, um, do we want to carry on talking? I really appreciate that you trust me with coming, you know, coming to me as a good friend and sharing that you're not having a great time or that you need more support. It's really using these really shorter sentences to say, hey, thanks for telling me that I I appreciate that you trusted me as your friend or as your peer to come with this pretty heavy stuff, right? And then being able to sort of, that's where the refer comes into, then being able to say, okay, is this something that needs to be referred on? Are they actually going to harm themselves or are they just having like just a a bad day and they just needed to vent, right? It can be a variety of different things, but appreciating that somebody came to you and, and using your I statements and um, sort of repeating back and asking questions to kind of get to a little bit more about 
why they may be feeling that way, um, what they may think they need. So you're not just going on and referring, asking them, like, what do you think you need right now? You know, um, so that's a really big part of, of an everyday conversation about mental health. This is so helpful. And I want the listeners to hear, I wanted them to hear specifically you explain that because this starts in our homes to be able to do this with our kids and to be able to listen. Just, I think we underestimate how important that listening and that validating the feeling. And absolutely. ah, And there's a video you have on your site that was so good about it's okay to not be okay. And yet what I see is as a mom myself, you know, my kid comes to me and they share a struggle they're having and that's hard to hear. And we want the best for our kids. And what we often end up doing is we give advice. We tell them what they need to do to feel better versus first, just really listening, validating, appreciating, like, thank you for telling me that's so powerful because you're you're creating this safe place for them to talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that you're right. Like, I think we do, we get like, so in the day to day, you know, families are busy. You are all very busy human beings. And, you know, there's just a lot going on. And especially <clears throat> when you think about a middle schooler, right? Puberty is happening. There's a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions. There's a lot of up and downs, but taking pause and allowing, you know, the young person just feel all the things and, and not be solution focused all the time, you know, not trying to just fix it. Some things just need to be vented out. Right. And so, yeah, that video we recorded right at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, because we knew that students were now going to have a whole different world in front of them in the sense that they weren't going to be seeing their peers on the day to day. They weren't going to be seeing their favorite educators. They were going to be isolated at home. And it was okay just to have all of those feelings and sit with that because the world was a different place. Um, and, and I think VAR is very powerful for parents and, and caregivers because it does. It, it, it provides you with um, a reminder to pause and just listen. Yes. Yeah. V-A-R. And you have that on there, the validate, appreciate, and refer, and how to be able to do that. It goes into the steps. Yes, absolutely. There's a lovely video on our website that you can look at. Um, We also do um, VAR trainings. We have incorporated our VAR program into our high school peer-powered mental health curriculum. Um, And so there's a lot of different ways you can learn how to use VAR. Yeah. You know, I was really um, surprised to see some of the statistics that you had on the site. And one that really struck me was that it was a 65, oh, 67% of young adults tell a friend that they are feeling suicidal before anyone else. Yeah. And, and I, I know that, you know, my kids have, have had their own struggles, but they've had friends that have struggled and a friend, you know, that has come to them and said that they are having suicidal thoughts and that maybe they self-harmed. And then my kids coming to me and like, I don't know what to do with this information. 
what would you say? And I get that a lot from parents. Like my my kid's best friend just told them that they're having suicidal thoughts, and they're thinking, you know, maybe they've done some self harming. What should I do? What would you say? What would you say to the parent or caregiver that has has a kid that's experienced this? Or what would you say to a teen that has has had this happen with a friend? It's a really great question. And I think um, if if a, a young person has gone to a parent or caregiver and disclosed that a friend is in need, um, I think, you know, one of the best ways is to sort of use the VAR tool to, to have that conversation, right? So validating that they came to you, appreciating that they're trusting you for, for more support. And then, you know, sort of that you can mirror using the VAR tool or, or conversation technique to empower them to go back to their friend and say, thank you again for sharing this with me. I think you may need some extra support have you thought about, you know, us talking to the school counselor or have you told your mom or your dad or or whoever the adult is in your in your family life that you you are comfortable going to? Um, so I think like asking them, so empowering the, the young person to go back to their friend. I think as an adult, you know, you don't want to obviously if they're about to harm themselves, you need to intervene and ensure that that young person isn't going to. Um, harm themselves in a way that could end up with them dying by suicide. That's not what we want. You know, so if you have to go on and refer or contact a parent and ensure um, that they're getting the resources and supports that they need, absolutely do that. Um, But I think if there's an opportunity to empower the young person to go back to that friend or peer to do the same thing, that's also pretty powerful. And so I think you have to take it on a sort of case by case basis, depending on sort of the the severity of of what is happening with their friend um, and navigate it that way. I'm having this this great like idea as we're talking. I'm going to share in the notes. I'll share the the link to VAR. Did you call it VAR? VAR. VAR. Yeah. yeah. Bar. Okay. VAR. VAR. I'll share the link because I think that would be a great tool for parents or caregivers to print out and even share with their kids and to be able to say, Hey, and if you're having a bad day and I'm not doing this, like call me out on it. You know, if I'm not validating and I'm jumping into that fix it role, you know, let me know because I want to be a better listener to how you're feeling. Totally. uh, Yeah. I think the other, we have a a resource like how to help a friend, you know, because I think you're right. Um, we, we tend to go and tell our peers things before we go and tell our families things that I think is just human nature at its best, you know. And so, it, you know, when we think about what we how we were founded and, and why we've been around and why we've been successful it is that peer to peer approach. Um, we know that young people are talking to each other and so that we are able to really equip them with the tools and resources that, so that when a peer does come to them they know what to do because um, we were all teenagers. You know, we know that if a parent tells us, hey, so you should go and do this, sometimes that doesn't matter, you know, and and I'm not saying it does not happen, but, you know, when we hear it from our peers, it it just 
it sounds different. It, it comes with a little bit of a different kind of sense of urgency, maybe that, hey, I care about you. I'm not a family member, but I really want you to get the support you need. That that means a lot to our students, you know, um, because they are sharing a lot with each other. They also spend 85 percent of their days with each other in a school building, you know, so just by that nature, they are with each other sharing a lot more than they are potentially with family members. Yeah. And on social media, too, after school hours. Yeah. I mean, they're connecting with each other in a variety of different ways. So they're constantly connected to each other, sharing a lot of different things. So the more we can, you know, have these conversations about mental health, be able to understand what mental health is, what is the difference between mental health versus a mental illness or a mental health crisis, so that, you know, folks are able to support their peers on the different levels. That's really important. So, so explain that to us. So how do parents discern, uh, and I'm just going to use parents, but I'm caregivers also, um, how do they discern if it is just a bad day versus if their kid is in a mental health crisis? Yeah. Um, you know, there's, not all the signs are universal. So I think just being able to ensure that folks know that it's not sort of this one size fits all, right? And and we all have different journeys through our mental health. And if it gets to the point of of mental illness, um, it can be a variety of different things. I think the thing to really ensure that folks know is that um, the patterns that they are seeing or the behaviors that they're seeing from a young person or another family friend or, or a member or a friend is that it's repeated. It's, it's happening over a number of several days, you know, so say um, a, a young person is totally withdrawing from their friends and their family and the activities that they used to enjoy doing for an extended period of time that could be a sign that to say, hey, something is not going well, we need to check in. Um, it's not to say that like a student's like, I just don't want to do this and it's a 24-hour thing, but it's it's the repeated, right? It's over an extended period of time where you're seeing a, a bit, pretty drastic change in behavior or sleeping or eating habits. Um, you know, sometimes it can come out as um, anger or rage. Now, I say that and I put a little start, especially knowing when when puberty is also in the mix, too, you know, so I think that's why it's you need to ensure that, you know, if it's been more a few days versus just, you know, you're happy one minute and sad one minute in the same like hour, because that's what happens when you're going through puberty. It's this extension of of those um, feeling anger or rage kinds of things or just being tired all the time. Yeah. So a shift in behavior when you're really starting to see this pattern yep. and something in your gut, you're just something's amiss. Yeah. And and also sort of paying attention to maybe some statements that somebody is saying that it's like, it's just so hard to get out of bed lately. You know, I just want to sleep or or never wake up, you know, just everything just feels too much. There's just too much going on. I can't do it. You know, so paying attention to those kinds of statements can also indicate that somebody needs some help. 
Okay, that's very helpful. So coming out of COVID, I mean, we're, we're still not, I mean, we're still not out of it. And kids have really suffered going through that. What are you seeing? Um, What are you seeing? What did you see, you know, pre COVID? What are you seeing now? I'm hearing from so many parents that their kids um, are struggling, and that even that they feel like the schools are overloaded and that there's there's a an amount there's limited resources is that true there are it, it feels like that because i think um the media has has latched on to the fact that oh we need to talk about mental health during this pandemic and and rightfully so so it does feel like there aren't enough resources and in some communities there are not enough resources Um, We know that most of our school systems don't have enough school counselors or school psychologists or school social workers in the buildings to support their schools. And so using school counselors as an example, you know, the the students to school counselor ratio should be 250 students to one school counselor. That's not happening in schools. We're having school counselors have a have a student workload of anywhere from four to seven hundred students. How does a school counselor make a dent or or make an f you know a change in, in seven hundred students' lives? It's just not. It's, there some students are going to just fall through the cracks because there's just aren't aren't enough people power you know from from a school counseling side of things to support students. So when we think about resources, we have to think about, you know, what kinds of school mental health teams are in a district and in a school building. And there's nine times out of 10, not enough people. What kinds of resources are in schools? So, you know, in a health education class, we shouldn't just be talking about suicide or mental health like one class period out of the year. And not every single student is required to help have health education, right? It's kind of like a you take it for one semester of all four years of high school, we don't even teach health in a middle school. So where are those students learning about these things? And we don't even have a good spot in our school, in our curriculum to actually talk about mental health. A lot of times um, our school counselors are using advisory periods that may be anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes to talk about, you know, mental health. That's not enough time, you know, how, how can you continue having a conversation or actually change the conversation with only 20 or 40 minutes on, on your schedule? Um, so when we think about resources, we have to think about it in, in a variety of different ways. And like I said, some schools um, have received a lot of the, the CARES dollars through the federal um, government and through the state government through the pandemic, and they're repurposing a lot of those funds to support mental health. Um, But the question I think a lot of districts are facing is how do we sustain that when the funding goes away, especially during the pandemic, how are we going to continue to ensure that our our families, our students, our educators have the resources and supports that they need around mental health? And that's a big question that I don't know the answer to. And I think a lot of people are trying to figure out because we can't just slap a Band-Aid on this. It can't just be like, oh, we're doing something during a pandemic. Cool. <laughs> this has to be an ongoing thing. Um, and schools can definitely use a lot more resources. I think that's where an organization like Active Minds can be helpful in, in really empowering students to have conversations about mental health 
and, and saying, okay, we know there are gaps. How do you advocate for more resources? There's a lot of power um, also in partnering with local public health agencies and other nonprofits in your local communities that are working in adolescent health to support your school um, and, and mental health as, as a whole. And so I think we need to start doing a lot. And I think some schools are doing a better job, but we need to partner with those entities to help fill those gaps as well. So I want you just to tell about some of the things that you're doing at Active Minds, because when I was looking at how much you've grown, I was looking at the staff, I was looking at all the dots on the map of where you're going and what you're up to and the kids that are involved. Let our, you know, I want our listeners to know all about this. Yeah. So, um, you know, when Allison started Active Minds, she started it with something called Active Minds Chapters, which are student-led mental health clubs essentially in your school. Um, and so students can start a mental health club or an active minds chapter by just having, you know, at least three students and an advisor who is equally as passionate about mental health to start your um, chapter. And the chapters are designed where students are going to build different topic areas. They In a high school, they can use our peer-powered mental health curriculum as the programming guide. So we have things like, you know, uh, no need to be perfect. We know that perfectionism is a hot topic and whether we know that young people have a lot of pressure around perfectionism. And so we have this curriculum that is um, youth facilitated where they can have a conversation about topics like coping skills or time management or perfectionism or how to help a friend. The VAR is also part of the curriculum. And so you can do, um, you can use the curriculum in a chapter as a chapter programming. So it's off to school or during an activity period um, or that you can build any kind of programming um, through your chapter. So some chapters have done um, like mental health awareness days, They've also done fundraising around mental health awareness. Um, so there are lots of different things that chapters can do. Um, and then on the, the K through 12 side, I mentioned the Mental Health Advocacy Academy, really providing tools and resources to high school students to become mental health champions and advocates in their school. Um, we do a lot of um, uh, leadership development within our programs. We also have a speakers bureau. And so if you're interested in bringing a speaker to your school or to your PTA meeting or a community event, um, we have a variety of folks that will share their lived experience about mental health. Um, and it's really a, a great opportunity to learn about mental health in a sort of non-threatening manner from a non-clinical manner. It's just a, a normal everyday conversation and, and story about um, somebody's mental health experience. Um, and then we also have something called Send Silence Packing, which is a traveling suicide prevention exhibit where schools and um, universities can bring the exhibit and then we can build um, some curriculum around that um, where you can walk through the exhibit and read some people's stories. And then you can use the curriculum to have a follow-up conversation um, or designed um, bringing in a speaker or doing something else to complement the, um, the display. So, and we're constantly thinking of new things. And then I mentioned middle school, we are building um, a chapter program for middle schools as well, um, which we're really excited about. And then we um, also have opportunities for 
parents and caregivers and adult stakeholders, you know, how can we equip um, adults um, with the resources and tools to create a seat at the table for young people to be mental health um, advocates? How do we provide adults with the tools and resources um, to carry the conversation on at home? You know, your students learn something in school or participated in an Active Minds chapter meeting or utilize the curriculum, how can we continue talking about mental health in school? And so we're building an adult curriculum to complement our student curriculum, which is exciting. Did you hear that, listeners? <laughs> so I'm so excited that you're doing that because they can be learning it, but if we're not learning it, exactly. and nobody taught us this stuff, you know, and, and we can learn it right along with our kids and be having the conversation. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. I mean, you know, this generation of students um, don't shy away from talking about these things. I think we as an ad adults, we just, we didn't have the opportunity. It wasn't normalized it, when we were in school or in our communities. And so, yeah, it's it's pretty powerful to think about if we're speaking the same language and if we're really are normalizing a conversation about mental health, that's awesome. We then we are not going to have students feeling shame, you know, if they're coming to their parents or a family member or a friend and saying, I need help, right? We are able then to empower people to come and seek um, support when they need it and talk about it. Because the more we talk about it, we can just say, hey, it's out there. We all have mental health and it's okay when we just don't have a bad day and we know how to get the support that we need. That's key, that we know how to get the support that we need, that we can actually share how we're feeling and think about what our next steps are and what we really need, no matter if it's a bad day or we're going through something really, really tough and we need that extra support. Absolutely. And I think if anything, you know, COVID-19 showed us that we we can't ignore our mental health. You know, we all have experienced the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows over the last three-ish years, you know, and, and we know that this pandemic has exasperated both adult mental health as well as student mental health. And so um, it's it's great that we're talking about it, that the news is talking about it. Um, we just need to continue to, you know, provide more supports and resources to everybody in our community so that they know where to go. Um, and that we're also funding more, you know, because I think that's the other piece is in some communities, there are just limited resources and, and limited places for families or students to go to. And schools are where a lot of our students start getting support for mental health or just health in general. And so we need to really ensure that we have the right things in place and the right people in our schools to support our young people. Yeah. Well, and how empowering that for kids to be able to reach out to their peers. And again, it's that I'm not alone. And also kids that have struggled with their own mental health to be able to, for lack of a better word, like serve in that way where they can reach out to other kids and how empowering that is to be able to know that they can make a difference and they get it. You know, they understand what that feels like. And when you understand what it feels like and you can make a difference with what that is, um, with the mental health and helping others. I, I just love 
I love that. Um, to, yeah, it's you know, pretty powerful. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I get really excited. I'm like, are there any in Chicago? Are there any in Illinois? Or yeah, there are, and I think we are growing in that state because um, we've one of our um, academy students is from um, the south side of Chicago and very active, um, and so there's a lot of desire to like spread the wealth, you know? And so that leads me, you know, if, if you are in a school or a community that does not have an active minds chapter and you want to learn about active minds, we're actually um, hosting um, an open house um, on September 8th. Um, and so we are going to be previewing kind of, I give, I gave you like high levels here, but we'll be previewing all of our programs um, during um, a Zoom open house for folks to come and learn about Active Minds and then about all of the different programs that we are offering. And so that will be on September 8th at 5 p.m. Eastern. Okay. I'd love, I'd love to know that. And I can send it to, I can send it to all the, you know, my community. Yes. Let them know about it. So I, I know what some of the listeners are already thinking. Um, and this is something I get a lot. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I don't understand why kids are having so many mental health issues today. When we were growing up, this wasn't the case. And so now there's so many kids that are having this. And why? You know, why are all these kids having these mental health issues? And you and and just I get I do get that a lot and I want there to be an understanding and a compassion to what kids are going through. So what do you think are some of those pressures they feel the what their world is like today that's hard for for parents for you know the older generation to understand? Yeah, I think I sort of alluded to this that, you know, our our youth and young adults have the language to really articulate what they're feeling and going through. And that's very different, right? So there's a difference between anxiety and stress. Um, and they know what those differences are. Um, and they're saying, I'm stressed, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious about these things. So you know, um, and and this is sort of part of our mission, right? Like changing that culture and conversation is learning those terms and understanding what they are, and then talking about it, saying, "Look, I'm I'm I need help. Like I'm I'm anxious. I'm I'm really stressed out. Whatever the case is, um, I think our our language has shifted, and so our students know what they're talking about. They also are advocating for themselves in ways that I think we we've never seen you know in the sense that they know exactly how they're thinking and feeling and and there's a lot of pressure i mentioned perfectionism you know like we we place a lot on academic achievement but if we can't you know our, our students aren't going to be academically sound if they're not healthy um you know and so we have to think about what are we putting on our our young people the world around them is just a different place. Um, you know, yes, there's a lot more accessibility to the instant news 
messages that are coming through and the doom and gloom that the world as a whole has been faced with, you know, over the last few years, um, that takes a toll on everybody. It takes a toll on you and I, right? And so when we also think about that from um, where they are developmentally and how they're processing everything in the world, they're asking more questions, you know, um, they're advocating for themselves and they're wanting us to, to normalize the conversations with them. And so I think it's, it's this combination. So I think we have to, as adults, um, embrace that. It can be scary for ourselves because if we've never had the conversation about our own mental health, let alone just mental health in general, we're going to be, we are ill-equipped to support our young people. Um, and so we're hoping that's where our um, adult uh, workshops and our adult curriculum are really going to play a role in supporting parents and caregivers in this. Um, I think the other thing to, to think about is that um, we've been asking high school students about their mental health at a national level for many, many years. And so school health and wellness professionals have been very clued into the fact that high school students in particular have been navigating, you know, struggles with mental health and an uptick of those struggles over the last 10 years. So it hasn't been surprising to school mental health champions that this is where we are with navigating youth mental health because they have seen it over the course of 10 years that there's been this uptick. And it's been an uptick because we're talking about it because students have the language and you know um, we've destigmatized a lot around mental health, which is great. I think the, the pandemic put a big spotlight on things and now everyone's talking about it and, and talking about, oh, we're in a mental health crisis. Yes, we are. However, we've been slowly seeing this uptick. And so from a maybe parent or, or community partner, um, they're like, we got to do something now. And schools have been working, <laughs> doing things and trying to chip away at this over many, many years. And it really takes a village. And I'm like, welcome. <laughs> welcome yeah. to our world now. Um, thank you for joining us because we need more support. We need more people talking about this. We need more people normalizing these conversations and we need more resources within our community so that we can provide more support mechanisms, both to young people and adults. Yeah, we sure do. And what a, what a beautiful bridge Active Minds provides. So, you know, on so many different levels. Yeah. And I think it's accessible, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, I think when people think about mental health and they think about suicide, it's like we have to whisper or, you know, we can't talk about it. But no, we know that, you know, young people are dying at high rates from from suicide. We know that, um, you know, one in five high school students have contemplated suicide during the pandemic. You know, so when you have to sit with those numbers and the reality of what our young people are facing, we can't ignore it anymore. We have to talk about it. We have to be out there really advocating for young people and, and with them to, to make this world a lot easier for them to live in. Yeah. Well, as you're saying all that, when, as a mom, when I would get scared about something, you know, how my kid's doing or they're anxious or they're depressed, um, being bullied, you know, all those different things that they can go through. I think the, the knee jerk reaction is to say, to ask why. 
which is a judgmental word. Why? Like it shouldn't be so. But when we say why, we're going to come in with that judgmental energy of um, this, it shouldn't be this way, right? Versus what? Okay, given, which is what you're doing. So given the information and that and that kids are struggling and with mental health, what are we going to do now to support them and come alongside of them and provide what they need to continue to have a conversation and not be alone and get whatever resources they need? Yeah, because I think the one thing that we have to remember is Mental health is not a single issue thing, you know, like a blanket. Exactly. Like, you know, mental health is bad, right? Yeah. Or that mental health is just mental health. So when we think about what affects our mental health, there are lots of contributing factors. We can't just put mental health in a small box by itself. We know that um, our mental health is affected because, um, we are experiencing climate change. Our mental health is ex- is is affected because somebody may have um, lost their their house due to a wildfire, you know, um, and all of a sudden they are experiencing homelessness. Our mental health is affected by racism, by homophobia, you know, so many different things impact a person's mental health, and I think that's the other generational thing that may come into play is that some folks just think about it as a singular box on its own. And like all these contributing factors, our young people have the weight of the world on their shoulders because they care about their communities. They care about the environment. They care about, you know, doing the right thing for their communities and their peers. And that affects their mental health. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, so many things when the kids were talking on that video, you know, prom, like there's grief involved, you know, they miss their prom, they miss their graduation, or maybe they see that they got left out of a social, you know, they see that friends got together and they weren't included. And that can, you know, that that can cause this whole, you know, litany of, you know, of self-doubt and I don't fit in and I don't belong. I mean, it comes in so many different shapes and sizes, but we don't want to minimize. Right. Minimize those feelings. Totally. And I think when we, when we switched to a more hybrid platform at the beginning of COVID and, and a lot of those senior students did miss out on milestones, you know, those big milestones in high school, that sucked for them. That was awful, right? And as adults, we're like, it's just prom. No, where they are in their world and their experience and those milestones, it's a big deal. Um, And so we can't be dismissive of our young people because it's a hard thing to navigate when they weren't able to be with their peers. You know, they weren't able to have the prom that they had thought about, you know, since whenever. So, yeah, I think we have to take a step back when um, our youth are feeling this way. And and you like you said, you know, like what what is going on? You know, tell us a little bit more about how you got to feel this way. Um, And if it is just I'm having a bad day, that is okay. Allow yourself 
to to take pause. You know, what does that look like to to give yourself an opportunity to to engage in some self care? Go listen to some music, journal. You know, find what works for you to allow you to take a step back, to take a breath. Um, and to kind of like reset in the best way you can so that you can continue moving forward um, because it's important to take us just take a beat, you know, and, and take care of yourself um, along the way. And you have a great section on that on the website of the self-care. It was helpful to me to, to uh, just read those things to be able to do because we can join our kids in those things as well and model it for them. Because we can be really struggling too. Yeah, exactly. And I think like that's where it also may come from. They may not be experiencing their own trauma, but they may see you experience trauma or or stress or anxiety, you know, so they may, that's how they are affected as well. So yeah, I mean, I think this is why we keep saying that we all have mental health and we have to really ensure that we're taking care of ourselves. You know, we go for physicals on an annual basis. We take care of our physical health, but what do we do intentionally to take care of our mental health? And I think all of us, me included, even though I work here at Active Minds, I can do a better job of taking care of my mental health because it does. It's sort of sometimes get pushed down the list of things I need to be doing, but, you know, I should pop in some headphones and listen to some music and just reset. And that's, that's a good thing for me. I know what works for me. So find what works for you. Yeah. I love that. So we could go on and talk. I was looking at the time, but I want you just to touch briefly. And I don't even know if you can do it briefly, but transitioning to college, that's a big deal. Can you give maybe one little tip to parents or caregivers that kids are getting ready to go to getting ready to go off to college. Cause like you mentioned in the very beginning, that can be a really stressful, hard time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, when you are, are looking at schools and if you go on a college tour, or if you're like looking at uh, a university's website, one of the things you should pay attention to um, are, you know, what counseling services does the university or college have? Do they have a counseling center? Um, what kinds of, of resources and counselors do they have in that counseling center? Um, you know, what is, um, do they have an active minds chapter? You know, that's an important piece. So counseling center, but then do they have an active minds chapter? Do they have um, a, an organization where you can join and talk about mental health or advocate for, you know, mental health awareness or mental health resources in your school? I think when you're also, thinking about um, if, if you're going to a residential campus and thinking about what does res life look like? I'm going to be living in a residence hall. Um, what kinds of programs and activities are going to be available for me? What? How can I build a sense of community um, outside of an active minds chapter through um, experiences through residence life and, and, and other student life opportunities? Because when, when we go to college, it's very different. And for some of our students, it can be extremely overwhelming because number one, there's a lot more freedom in the sense that you, you pick your own schedule and it's not like a, a normal eight to five. You have a lot of flexibility. You get to come and go and you get to opt into activities. And um, 
But I think ensuring that you know where the counseling center is, that uh, you know exactly where to go when you need the support is is key. Number one, um, I think folks are so fixated on where am I going to live and what is the dining hall situation and what kind of classes um, do you have available, which is all very important, but make sure that they have the resources around mental health to support you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Very important, you know, and, and important to remember and to look into. So Lauren, thank you so much. Tell everybody where to find you, uh, Active Minds, anything else uh, that you think is important. And that's September 8th, the open house. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you go to activeminds.org, you can sign up for our newsletter, which I really suggest you do because that You'll hear first about new programs and resources. Um, we'll definitely drop the link in about the open house so you can sign up for the open house coming up. Um, but if you, um, your school or um, you know anybody in your community wants to find more information, you can certainly ping us um, through our website um, at any time. And then we're all over social media. So check us out, especially if, if you um, want to share that information with your young person, we're on, on TikTok and Instagram. So um, we're fully out there. So let us know how we can support you. Yeah, TikTok is really important, isn't it? Yeah, it really yeah. is. Snapchat <laughs> as well. So we're on yeah. all of the social media platforms. And um, it's kind of fun in the sense that we have, you know, platforms for more of the adult population and then for our youth as well to engage in in just learning and and, um, figuring out mental health. Yeah. Well, Lauren, thank you for all that you're doing. And I so appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Cheryl. Well, that's it for today. And thank you so much, friend, for joining me. And remember to sign up for the three-day free training that's starting up in September. You can check it out at momsoftweensandteens.com slash entitled. And I am really excited to get to connect with you. So have a great week and I will see you back here next time.